together, together, we will change the trajectory of this Commonwealth. And friends, we are going to start that transformation on day one. Well, friends, there's a new sheriff in town and new deputies, too. We're going to dig deeper today into what that means on a practical level for the issues we care about as Christians, like defense of marriage, protections for unborn babies, and religious freedom. Plus, the gambling industry poured out millions on ads for a new casino, and still, Richmond families defeated it. What's the story behind that? Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. Well, to start things off on a light note today, I have been thinking about these memes I sometimes see on social media that have childhood toys from back in the day, and I'm really going to date myself here. But I saw a picture of Silly Putty, and it just brought back these memories of, you know, when my brother and I would go in the store, we'd get all excited by that little red, shiny egg. And then, you know, there was a glow-in-the-dark putty that bounced, and then you could take it and put it on the, the funny papers and copy what's on there and make little fun characters by stretching them out and everything. And I just wondered, okay, first of all, funny papers, for the most part, don't even exist today. I don't think anybody's reading those for the most part. And then is Silly Putty even a thing for kids? So this is very interesting, actually, because I'd like to say that not all things improve with time. So, right, Silly Putty is still a thing, but they've tried to create new versions, right? So now we have Slime. I will tell you, slime is terrible. Slime is this thing, this stuff that they create, but they do similar things with it to Silly Putty. You know, they, you know, manipulate it whenever with their hands, but they want to, they can actually make it at home with Borax and this other, it is awful. And then they have something called Smart Putty. This is even worse. It looks like Silly Putty, but here's the difference. If your child happens to leave it on your sofa, it will in fact ruin your sofa, which Silly Putty would not have. I know this. Why? Because I'm a mother of four children and I had a child who ruined a sofa with Smart putty. Okay, then it doesn't sound very smart. No, this is my point. We try to improve something. Silly putty, harmless, fun. Everything else since Silly. then, not so great. What does smart putty do? I just have to know. It's, it is it is basically the same thing, but it's colorful and it's it just literally attaches better and it doesn't come off. I also lost oh. a Christmas dress to it with one child where... <laughs> They somehow got it mangled in their Christmas dress. And I don't remember exactly how that happened, but I liked that dress. Okay, so are we just too politically correct and cool as a society to be silly anymore? Now we got to be smart. <laughs> That's a fair point. I don't know. That's a very good point. But I'm sure kids feel like, hey, mom, buy me the smart putty. You know, maybe like they have a better edge with their parents to like get them to purchase it because it's smart. <laughs> it's too smart for its own good. Well, just to dive right into today's topic, even though it's been a week since we basically experienced a political earthquake here in Virginia, we're still feeling the tremors from that and just trying to absorb what it all means, especially for the issues we care about as Christians. 
And I just also want to underscore what a big upset this really was. I mean, it's been a decade since we've seen this kind of social conservative sweep, right? Oh, it's a big deal. In fact, I would say most people were calling Virginia blue, not just purple anymore. You know, they were saying, look, we've lost every statewide office for over a decade. So every U.S. Senate, the governor's race twice, all the LGAG. When you add all that up, it does look like we're unfortunately a blue state. And so people have not been optimistic. And you have to understand in the last let's say 2020. I mean, we've been going not just blue, but like our numbers for President Biden were, I think, plus 11. I mean, like we really have gone Democrat. And so there was no thought for a long time that this was even in play. And finally, I think as the weeks drew closer to the election, people started going, wait a second, something interesting is happening here. And people started paying attention. And all of a sudden we saw this momentum pick up. And yeah, it's a really big deal. Not to mention all these oppressive policies, you know, I think it was just starting to feel really heavy and oppressive. And people were starting to feel like, OK, this this isn't going to change. We're kind of living under this heavy cloud burden. We got to figure out just how to survive under this. So it's pretty amazing. Well, there was a period where I was a little worried because, I mean, the General Assembly passed a lot of terrible bills in the two sessions that there there had been new ideology in town. But I was really worried that with the pandemic and some other things, things were going to overshadow all the terrible laws. And so I was afraid the voters might not even halfway know all the terrible things. But no, it was starting to catch up. People were becoming aware. Kids were back in school. And so it was, there were things that were a little bit more normal and allowed them to focus on, wow, they've stripped off all the pro-life laws. Wow, the business environment's really bad. You know, think about all the things that they actually have changed in Virginia in two years. Well, one thing I found so encouraging about all of this is that you hear a lot of times from establishment type political experts, you can't really win elections on these everyday bread and butter cultural issues that they kind of consider maybe a little too lowbrow. You know, so like on the life issues and parental rights that everyday people care about, they try to push political candidates to stay away from those and stick to what's so-called safe, you know, things like economy jobs are perceived as safe, but that's not what happened here. No, and I, I would 100% agree with you. Consultants push candidates very far from that stuff. And early on, I mean, at the Family Foundation, we were really thinking education is going to be the issue, if nothing else the pandemic and not having kids in school, but then you add to it the critical race theory. We were seeing it. But I will tell you, at the beginning of the campaign, I wasn't sure. They were a little slow to pick up on it. But then things like Loudoun County happened and the parents just, and and really these transgender guidelines that we fought in all these school boards, things started stirring up. And yeah. I think the Yunkin campaign started picking up. And certainly when McAuliffe felt the need to say parents weren't uh, <laughs> weren't weren't really intended to be part of their children's education, well, then obviously it was a whole nother level. Yeah, it did seem like you noticed Glenn Youngkin starting to be looking around, hearing from the parents, and then all of a sudden picking up more steam on that. He was talking about banning critical race theories, talking about school choice, you know. So I definitely think that was a remarkable shift that may have ended up turning the campaign. Do you think? Oh, 100%. This was the thing that brought it over the top. And he was always a candidate who was passionate about school choice. We did hear from him on things like charter schools and others. I think as a business guy, he, he looked at our education system and said, wait a second, we have competition in every other realm, but we don't have it in K-12 schools. Why is that? And so he was always kind of interested in that. But this allowed him to really bring all these issues to a head and, and really take what was passionate from the parents and turn it into a platform that is really comprehensive and, and people get excited about it. And interestingly, the numbers tell that story that this was about parents, you know, uprising, having an uprising in the suburbs. And I'm just going to give a couple of examples. Um, we saw in Loudoun, even though that still went from a call 
by about 11 percentage points. When you think about that, it went for, uh, I think, Biden having a 25-point lead there last time. I mean, that that's a huge drop-off. It's a big deal. And they said if he could stay competitive in Loudoun and Fairfax, he could possibly win. And that that is exactly what happened. And actually, he did better in Loudoun than even people could possibly imagine, because unfortunately, Northern Virginia has turned very liberal. And then he, I think I read that he got Chesterfield by about 10 points. And and that's above what Biden won it by in 2020. So Yeah, and Chesterfield, I, I have to make a confession. Once we lost Chesterfield to liberal candidates, I was worried we'd never get Chesterfield back. Um, so for me, it was really comforting to see that Chesterfield actually had some common sense this election. And I do think that was the parents because in both of those areas, Loudoun and Chesterfield, you had some of the biggest rallies for things like, being, um, you know, pushing out critical race theory from the schools. So. I think if we went county by county, you would actually see a direct correlation between the parents' engagement in the school board. How, how revved up was that area over these issues and what kind of turnout they saw? Because I can think of, a, of one or two counties where the parents haven't reacted the way they should. There really isn't the outrage there should be. And actually, those House of Delegates seats were the ones we couldn't quite capture back for the conservatives. So that's a very interesting telling story. Well, let's just listen into a part of Glenn's victory speech emphasizing that parental rights theme. Friends, we're going to embrace our parents, not ignore them. We're going to press forward with a curriculum that includes listening to parents' input, a curriculum that allows our children to run as fast as they can, teaching them how to think, enabling their dreams to soar. Friends, we are going to reestablish excellence in our schools. I love in that clip how it, ca- I, it just, I will tell you, you could tell that every time there was a part where he was talking about parents and talking about schools, the audience got even more revved up than they already were because they know that's the passion issue. I love that you could hear that fight for schools, which definitely was coming out of Loudoun County parents. They they own this victory. I also think it's worth mentioning that we saw an unprecedented number of biblically minded Christians elected into office this time around. Yeah, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am. And I'll start. I mean, We've talked about uh, Governor-elect Youngkin well, well enough, but I, I, I have to talk about Winsome Sears. I mean, Winsome Sears is the real deal. She is an amazing believer. She speaks about it. Um, and also just who who doesn't want to talk about the fact that we just elected the first black female to the lieutenant governor. She's a, a Jamaican-born American. I mean, she's just awesome. <laughs> yeah, and what you were telling me about how you were at Glenn Youngkin's victory party and he had a pastor come out and lead them off in prayer. I mean, I really think that speaks a lot to the fact that he is faith-centered as well, apparently. I have never seen that done at any victory party. And I'll tell you, I've been part of the faith calls, the prayer calls around that campaign. And on the Monday before the election, Glenn himself started the prayer call with prayer. And I mean, it is real and it is sincere and it is exciting to think this is how my governor is going to pray starting January. He'll be my governor. And this is, you know, how he starts his days. You know, what's encouraging about that is that we have God fearing people in office. You know, all of us have flaws. If you or I were elected, we would have flaws, of course. No one's perfect. But the point is, these people fear God. They feel accountable to God, which is so different than, you know, what we've been hearing before 
talking about delivering a baby, and as the baby's laying there on the table, they debate whether or not it should be kept alive. You know, that just makes such a difference, I think, when you acknowledge there is a creator and you feel accountable to that creator. We know that God sets up kings and makes decisions about who's going to rule over us, but what's even better is when the person in authority knows who's actually king. Right, exactly. I also just want to mention Tara Durant. Did I get that name right? Durant. Um, I think this is a really neat story. She is also a woman of faith. She won in Fredericksburg. And I love her story because this is the mom that was stuck in her car in Fredericksburg with a bunch of protesters trying to climb on the car and intimidate her. And I think it was her 12-year-old daughter. Well, they just put her right in office, didn't they? Well, this is the thing. You're seeing examples of people that are now House of Delegates elect, right? So they're about to be brought in and as our new government. And they're just people who their stories became public. And they said, you know what? Enough is enough. I've got to serve. And what's cool about her is that, you know, we actually had her at our event last year to tell her story. She had never done public speaking. We kind of like introduced her to the world. She actually told me, she's like, your event was like the first one. And it was the same thing with Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson spoke at our event. This is another guy who has now won a house seat. And it's basically enough is enough. We started highlighting these people. And now they decided, hey, we're going to run for office. And now they've been successful. So it's, it's, it's really awesome. And I will just give this moment to give a shout out to our action team that knocked on some 100, more than 130,000 doors, right? It's unbelievable to think about all the people that were a part of that over the last year. So, yeah, shout out to them. It's more than I could do. Um, Victoria, tell us about conservatives taking back the House. What, what do you want to highlight with that? Well, some of the worst ideas that we have been battling came out of the House. And so the first thing is we think having a conservative majority is going to stop terrible things. And some of the specific terrible things that we really are excited about is we were expecting a constitutional amendment for reproductive rights, so to speak, you know, this abortion right. We were expecting um, probably the worst of the worst of this marriage amendment situation where they were had they had repealed the marriage amendment and replace it with something that almost opened the door for polygamy probably would have. And I think that will stop dead in its tracks. Mm -hmm. So, so this new house is going to, if nothing else, I think dead end the crazy that we've seen. Um, and so it's big things ahead. That is so encouraging. Thanks for joining us for speak up Virginia brought to you by the family foundation. If you're enjoying the show, help us encourage others to speak up by giving us a five-star review and sharing it with friends. Thanks for listening. Well, what about the future of all these school board battles that we've been seeing across the state that are still continuing? How is this going to impact what's happening there? Well, imagine if you're a parent and you've been watching all of this and you've been sort of eyeballing your own school board and you've been thinking, should I engage? Well, now you've found out, look, you can engage, you can win at your local school board, you can vote at the ballot box, you can get the people all the way to the governor's office to make change. And so I think it's pretty empowering for parents. Well, especially with all this pressure that's been coming down under a liberal administration to force school boards to adopt this radical transgender issue policy. You know, I'm hoping more school boards will now be emboldened to reject that. Um, do you think that we will be able to see maybe some changeover in the Department of Education itself that will alleviate some of that top-down pressure? One of my personal favorite things that Governor-elect Youngkin actually said was on day one, he's getting rid of Superintendent Lane. And so we're going to start at the top. We're going to remove the personnel that initiated all this mess. And so we could see some amazing improvements pretty quick, I think. Okay, I just got to squeeze in school choice because in his victory speech, 
He said big things about bringing in school choice. What do you think about that? I think he truly believes that every child needs a chance to have the best education and to go wherever they see fit. And so he's going to start with charter schools. And that's a tough climb in Virginia. We've There's a long history there of how hard that is. But I believe he can get it done. And I hope he just keeps on going to the point where we literally have money following the child and parents picking their schools. Okay, so hopefully now instead of being worried that they're going to eradicate the whole opportunity scholarship school choice program we already have, hopefully we can expand that. Any chance for education savings accounts or is that just way too down the line now? Oh, I think he absolutely is on board with it. I think there's the legislature already passed it twice and McAuliffe vetoed it. So oh, really? I yes, we've, okay. we've gotten that very far. We just haven't gotten it over the finish line, but now we might have more of the pieces. So you just never know. All right. Parental authorities, since that was such a big deal in this election and what kept coming up was the fact that McAuliffe twice vetoed this bill that would have given parents notice if there were sexually explicit reading materials coming up in their classrooms. Do you think maybe that can come back up and get passed through this time? I certainly think there's a lot of opportunity and I could see that bill passing. And again, you know, once you've gotten something through a bipartisan legislature and now you have a governor, it's a real possibility. All right. Well, there's more than enough to talk about. I think we should bleed this over into the next one. We're going to talk about in the next one things like um, the, how this is going to affect trying to regain protections for unborn babies, trying to cut out taxpayer funded, uh, you know, taxpayer funding of the abortion industry. Don't forget um, about marijuana. Marijuana. <laughs> we have a lot more to cover. We'll put that off till next time. We're going to dig more deeply into this and look at how this is going to have practical implementation and what the Family Foundation will be pushing for in the light of this new climate that we're in. But in the meantime, Victoria, just leave us with what are you most excited about looking forward, getting done? Well, that's a hard thing to say because I have to tell you there is so much possibility. But I will tell you this, and this is the un- this is the thing that doesn't get stated because we think of the limelight pieces of legislation. It is mostly about what kind of people are going to lead our commonwealth. And when I think about three born-again Christians standing at the top of our government and the fact that he's openly praying and sincerely praying in public and bringing in pastors, I'm looking for the fact that Christians will be seen as rational again in the public square, that this is okay to be a Christian, to walk out your faith and be governor or lieutenant governor or attorney general, just it's a good thing. Yeah, let's just start with the basic steps in that direction. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award. This is where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! Well, a lot of times our inconceivable awards have to do with bad news, but this time it's actually about some good news. It's inconceivable that the gambling industry would spend millions on ads to convince Richmond families they needed a casino in their backyard. And yet, these families said, you know what, that's a bad bet, and voted it down. Oh my goodness, this was really the David and Goliath scenario. I mean, they came in with 
promising the world. I mean, they were going to give you 1,500 jobs, and they were going to have green space and parks and concerts. They pretty much picked any something for everyone. And they came in, and they threw so much money at the advertising. It was unbelievable. Billboards everywhere. And they brought in out-of-town stars. They had Jamie Foxx. They brought in Al Sharpton. Now, I had to remind people, Jamie Foxx doesn't vote. Al Sharpton doesn't vote. It actually comes down to the people who live there. And they didn't actually have a lot of proponents that were local leaders. So it was kind of entertaining. You know, you you kind of saw McAuliffe making that same mistake, bringing Biden in, Kamala, um, kind of seemed like the same playbook. So McAuliffe nationalized his race to his detriment. Yeah. Well, what's even more amazing about this casino thing is that Richmond was one of five cities to vote on this, and they are the only city to vote it down, right? Which is interesting. You would think they would be the most liberal. Yeah, I'm pretty wowed by the whole thing. There was a very interesting left-right coalition working against this casino, so that might be a flavor that wasn't present in all the other cities. I know we worked in a lot of these cities, but I didn't have left, you know, sort of more liberal partners opposing Mm -hmm. the casino. So that may have been a factor that was a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will tell you, they spent, I mean, for every vote they were after, they spent $35 a person per vote. And I'll tell you, statewide, that's a $210 million campaign if they had tried to bring this casino to Virginia and tried to buy all the votes. I mean, that's insane. And I do know the opponents of the casino's budget was a fraction of that. So we were well <laughs> literally, outspent. Literally, maybe $150,000. I mean, I can't even, I don't even know where yeah. to start. I mean, As we, it was to millions. But basically 10 to 1 at a minimum, probably more than that. All right. Well, I just got to squeeze in another random mention of a good news inconceivable that might have gotten overshadowed on our election night. And that is the Atlanta Braves won the World Series despite the MLB trying to punish them for their election integrity laws. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, in theory, we were supposed to not be in Georgia because Georgia did the wrong thing. And yet we end up there for all the home games of the Braves and they win. And of course, um, this is my husband's team and my kids are everybody was so excited and it was a great night. That was a huge night for your husband. Uh, Yeah, to win the election and the Braves was not a bad thing. He said it was one of the greatest nights ever. I hope that he put it past our marriage and past having children. I'm not sure. I'm not going to ask like literally what the what the rank was but um it was a big night well this week could be a toss-up then between the gambling lobbyists and major league baseball politics but i think we're gonna have to go with the gambling industry and award the inconceivable award to the gambling industry for rolling the dice with millions of ad money and still failing to convince families who knew better that this casino was just going to bring in more crime addiction and suffering And just a quick reminder that if you would like to send in your nominations for Inconceivable, just email speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. That's speakupradio at familyfoundation.org. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.